Welcome to FHOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Turn to 1 Kings 18. Um, we're going to hit three passages of Scripture this morning. Um, before we get going, we're going to be in Psalm 2, Psalm 110, and 1 Kings chapter 18. The word that I'm bringing today is not um, the word under the authority of Forerunner House of Prayer. It is not um, necessarily the opinion of Forerunner House of Prayer. I haven't discussed it with Drew. Um, so I don't stand here today as a, um, um, a representative necessarily of this staff or Forerunner House of Prayer on this. Uh, I stand here today as a messenger of the Lord. I stand here today to speak to something bigger than anything that's going on in this house. I stand here today to talk about what's going on in our nation. All right? And so my thoughts and what I bring today are not pre-cleared. We haven't talked about it. It has so what I'm saying is if it just really ticks you off, don't hold it against Drew. Um, you can hold it against me because I don't care. I'm not running for office. And uh, um, I had places to go preach when all this started, and, and um, uh, we decided that it was best for me to be home for a while. And I love being home, but, uh, uh, you know, if you get mad and say, don't let that guy ever preach again, uh, I'll be fine. All right? Psalm 2 says, the very first line, it's like it's right out of the newspaper. Why do the nations rage? What is going on? Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth have set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet have I set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who trust in him. And Psalm 110 is a companion psalm in that it speaks of the same thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a witness to the same thing that the psalmist is saying. 
The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He shall execute kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the nations. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads of many countries. He shall drink of the brook by the wayside, and therefore shall he lift up the head. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning in verse 17, <clears throat> preach this. What I want to preach today is the God who answers by fire. Let him be God. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. So, Abraham, so Ahab, Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls, and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it, and I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the one, and put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Verse 36, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, <coughs> He is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. I have... Uh, Malachi, can you bring my water back there? It's on the back row. I don't want it just to be a dry message. <laughs> that was a good one, John. Gather the prophets to Mount Carmel. Gather the prophets. The interesting thing there is that, that 
Carmel is actually a mountain range, but the very mountain that they're talking about here was actually the place that the idolaters built their high places to the Lord. So when Elijah decided to put together this showdown, he said, I got a good location for it. Let's do it in your church. Let's do it right where, see, see modern prophetic intercessors, they avoid these kind of things. Oh, that's a, Eureka Springs a bad place. You know, and they avoid these things where they think there's, there's some kind of a demonic present. But Elijah said, I'll tell you where let's do it. Let's go to Mount Carmel. Let's go right where you have erected your tabernacle, right where you have put your high places and set up your idols and your Asherah poles. Let's go there. Have them all 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah, his wife, have them meet us there. And this, this reflects back into the 110th Psalm. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. When you're surrounded on every side and it looks like everything is just going to whatever, Rule in the midst of your enemies. In the midst of all that, know this. Jesus is king over all the earth. Doesn't matter what you're seeing on the news or on Facebook or, or what anybody is standing in the street, street screaming that is going to happen. Jesus is Lord over all the earth and he will not be defeated. Now this is not going to be a teaching this morning. I came to preach to you today. He will not be defeated by any enemy. He will rule in the midst of his enemies, and he invites us into that. He said, your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. They will be surrounded. That means they will be surrounded on every side as well. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The things that are going on in our nation, and, and there's some, we, we had some real and have, some real problems that have needed to be addressed. You know this. 25 years ago, I stood here and told you that there was enough anger in every major city in America to burn it down. I said that 25 years ago. 15 years ago, I talked about these issues that people are in the streets protesting now. It's there. We have real issues and have real issues in the, in the area of racial relations and those things that we have needed to address. And let's address them. It's right to address them. Let justice roll down like water and righteousness like a body flowing stream. Let us be under God the most just society that's ever lived. Let there not be a person that has to wonder if they're going to get a fair shake or if they're in danger just by the color of their skin. But I'm telling you, the things that are happening in the streets of America have nothing to do with that. These are not, these things that are happening are not because someone is protesting, wanting to uh, change and get some justice. But what is being, what is happening, there is an agitation behind it that Psalms 2 says what it is. Why do the nations rage? Why do the people plot a vain thing? For this, the kings of the earth, their leaders, the manipulators in the positions of power have set themselves against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, let us break their bonds off of us. And let's cast away their courts from us. We will not have this man rule over us. You've got to understand that what's going on in our nation right now is not about justice. 
It's about a power structure saying we will not have the God of the Bible rule over us. Do you see that? That's why the nations rage. That's why they plot a main thing. But I want you to know he who sits in the heavens will laugh. He will hold them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath. Distress them in his deepest pain. He said, no, no, no. I already have a king set on my holy hill of Zion. It doesn't matter what you do. I've already determined how this thing is going to come out. And so they gather together on Mount Carmel and they say, and, and Elijah draws the line. If the Lord is God, if Yahweh, that word Lord there is all caps in your text, Anytime you see the word Lord in the Old Testament and it's small, all caps. So it's not obvious, all right? It's not all caps and it's bigger. But when you look at the words, the L-O-R-D is all caps. That's the word Yahweh. That's Y-H-W-H. That is the name of God. It's not just a title. But he said, if Yahweh is God, serve Him. All in. But if Baal is God, serve him. Now we think about that and go, well, duh. But this battle had been brewing for a while. And it started when Moses was on the mountain receiving the commandments from God. And the people of Israel came to Aaron, who was Moses' brother. And there wasn't officially a high priest then, but he was kind of that already. It was the voice of God. And said, make us a God. For this fellow Moses, we don't know what happened to him. And so he said, bring me all your gold and everything and all your silver. And, the, and he put in a fire and fashioned a God. It's interesting, the story he told later when Moses confronted him. He said, I just threw the gold in the fire and out popped this calf. If you've ever wondered if the grace of God was a thing in the Old Testament, there's your proof right there. That man should have died right there. People died for much less than that. So well, how come he didn't die? Grace. That's how grace works. Grace isn't extended the same to everybody. It is not. Well, it, it has to be. No, well, then you're talking about something other than grace. If, if everybody gets grace or mercy, we're not talking about grace or mercy. We're talking about something they are owed. So why did Aaron not die? Because of grace. Why did Korah die? Because of no grace. Both vile, despicable men who rebelled against God. One died, one didn't. Not part of my sermon, but you needed to hear that. <laughs> How do I know if I get grace? I helped you with that last week. That's <laughs> why you're here. Amen. <laughs> it's because of the grace of God. Listen, <laughs> you would have been dead by now, too, if it weren't for grace. Amen. <clears throat> he makes this calf... And the interesting thing is, Baal is portrayed as a bull. 
in Canaan. He makes this calf, and then the people looked at it and said to them, Behold, Israel, the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Little G. And so you know what Aaron does? The very next verse, Aaron proclaims a festival to the Lord for the next day. And the word of the Lord is Yahweh. So he makes this idol. And the people look at it and say, okay, that's the God that brought us out of Egypt. And Aaron goes, you're right. Tomorrow we're having a festival. I'm going to put it in a way you can understand it. To Jesus. And Jesus is the golden calf. And so that riotous, drunken orgy that Moses came down from the mountain and caught them in the middle of was a festival to Yahweh. Now, beloved, the fact that any of them lived is grace. And from that moment forward, they were confused about who Baal is and who Yahweh is. Because the word Baal, in a generic sense in Canaan, just meant Lord or Master or God, little g. But they also had a Baal that was the transcendent God over the Canaanite pantheon of gods, Baal Big B. And so... From the time that the children of Israel came into the promised land, they used the word Baal interchangeably with Yahweh. They would literally call God Baal. And by the time you get into the book of Judges, they had Shechem, which was the place they went to renew the covenant, the place where Abraham first built an altar to the Lord, the place where the mountain of blessing and cursing, they had also set up a tower to Baal at Shechem, that God tore down and crushed a bunch of them. Because God doesn't have a problem killing you if you need it. I know that's hard on charismatics, but like what Craig Rogers said, I think God's got at least one more good killing spree left in him. When I look at the book of Revelation, hello? But they... By the time of the book of Judges, it was, it was entirely intermingled. And then when the kingdom split under Rehoboam and Jeroboam, then Jeroboam was afraid, who became the king over the northern kingdoms of Israel, he was afraid if the people went down to Jerusalem to worship the Lord, that their allegiance would transfer to the southern kingdom. So it said he sought counsel, 1 Kings 12, 28, he sought counsel, and he made two golden calves and said to him, said to them, you are not able to go up to Jerusalem to worship. Behold, O Israel, the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And they began to worship Baal and call it Yahweh. And this continued until the time of Ahab. He married a woman by the name of Jezebel who was a Baal worshiper. And all through these centuries, there had been this tandem pluralistic worship going on of both Yahweh and Baal, this confusion. And then under Ahab, he began, Ahab began to draw the line in the sand and Jezebel 
And they began to say, in this generation, we are going to remove completely the worship of Yahweh from the land. We are going to be worshipers of Baal, period. And this is when Elijah comes on the scene. calls them to their high place and says, if the Lord is God, follow him, and if Baal, follow him. And the people answered not a word because they didn't know what to say, because they're confused. They don't know who God is. They don't know if it's Baal. I mean, how could they? I mean, how could you? How could you, after decades of heresy and false doctrine and compromise and sin in the American church, How could you know? Well, you could know the same way God pleaded with them when they entered the promised land. He said, take this book of the law and don't let it depart from your eyes. Eat it. Sleep with it. Keep it before your eyes constantly. And that way you'll know how to walk. And so if they had done that, then they would have known that Baal is is not even a god, that Baal's not even a thing if they had done that. But they didn't do that. They had no way of knowing. And beloved, it's the same with the church in America, and I fear the same with some of you. Because the Word of God has no place in your life, the reality is, as you sit here today, you don't know who's telling the truth. You don't know if I'm off today or if the people on MSNBC are off. You can answer not a word on whether God is okay with homosexuality or not, if abortion's okay or not, if this pluralism, you know, they told us maybe that Allah is the same God as the God of the Bible. You don't know. How do we know? I mean, they're Buddhists, that's okay. They're Hindus, that's okay. It doesn't matter. I mean, you know, as long as they're serving a God, or 20, or 50, or 4 million. And you're confused. You can answer not a word. Why? Because you've not hidden the word of the Lord in your heart. There's no objective truth in your life that says, this is the way, walk ye in it. So Elijah says, we can settle this. It's interesting because Baal was the god of thunder and lightning. He was like the Canaanite version of Thor. He was the god of thunder and lightning. He rained fire from heaven. That's what he did. That was his thing. He rains fire from heaven. So look at this. The prophet of God takes them to his high place, to his home, where his power is the strongest. He said, all right, call some fire down. Let's see some fire. Verse 
You call on your gods. And I'll call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answers by fire, that ought to settle it. Now, therein is the problem, beloved. For those of you that feel like you've kind of ducked the shots so far in this sermon, this man, Elijah, had been in the secret place with God to the point that he literally could call fire down from heaven and back up his words. It wasn't like the prophets that Jeremiah talks about. Jeremiah chapter 23, he said, God said, I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel and caused my people to hear my words, then they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. There would have been some power on their words. There would have been a confirmation of heaven on their words. We still need the fire of God to fall on the preaching. Not to burn you up and take you to heaven. I mean, heaven's great for you, but, you know, we would miss you. And people would quit coming. But we need the fire of heaven to fall upon the people. I was talking to a pastor last night. I said, no, look, I was, I've given this example. You guys have heard this over the years. But, but I got this from a leader in this church many, many years ago, 20-some-odd years ago. And he said, David, he said, before the revival hit, he said, I loved your preaching, but there was something missing. And he said, I know you, so I would, you would preach, and it'd be coming at us, and it's like you would always pull your punch. And I knew you were pulling your punches. And he said, water boils at 212 degrees, and it's like you'd get up to about 210 and then pull your punch. So we didn't have steam, we didn't have power, we just had hot water. And it was good, and we left and said it was good, but we were never changed. And then the Spirit of the Lord rushed on you in revival. And he said, brother, you don't pull your punches anymore. And, and what I see in pastors is that they're afraid to preach the Word of the Lord without reservation. And I, I said, look, you've got to understand, in this moment that we're living in, this time in history in our nation, the Holy Spirit has to fall upon the people. The Holy Spirit has to come upon the people. And the Holy Spirit will not come upon the people unless you declare the word of the Lord that God has given you. See, it goes on and says in Jeremiah 23, he says, uh, the prophet who has a dream, let him tell a dream. And he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, says the Lord, is not my word like a fire and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Behold, therefore, says the Lord, I am against these prophets 
who everyone, each one steals my words from their neighbor. Echoes. Echoes just preaching things that they've heard somebody else preach. Just preaching the latest thing. The latest they say. And they're, and they're good sermons. And we go home and we're blessed. We're, we're glad we heard it. We learned something. But sometimes, beloved, we need the Spirit of God to fall upon us. And that will not happen if you pull your punch. And, I, and I'm not just talking to those of you that are, that are called to preach the Word. I'm talking to all of you. You want the Spirit of God to fall upon those people at work and school? You want the Spirit of the Lord to fall upon the people? In your, you have to speak the Word of God and not pull your punch. You have to be at boiling. I don't mean anger. I don't mean because the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of Christ. I don't mean that. But I mean the Spirit of God. You have stood in His counsel, and you're going to cause someone to hear His Word. You are going to speak the Word of the Lord faithfully. Not a borrowed word. Not a stolen word. This is what God has spoken to me, and this is what I say to you. And the Spirit of God will fall on people and change them. It will make weak, cowardly Christians bold as lions. It will make unbelievers turn to God and be born again. And they'll be born again the way they used to be, where their life actually changes. Remember those days. Are you hearing? The God who answers by fire, He's God. There's a, there's, there's a God that will answer by fire. There's a God that will fall upon people. There's a God that will cause people to be changed. There's a God that will change their hearts. There's a God that will change the hearts of these people that are in the streets rioting and looting. But they're not going to be changed by you saying, oh, bless their hearts, they're just frustrated. No, they're wicked, ungodly sinners that need to hear the word of the Lord. Why do they rage? Why do they plot a vain thing? Because they want to break off every chain of the God of Israel. It came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, and he immediately goes old school. Jeremiah said, Hear the word of the Lord. Stand in the ways and ask for the old paths. Walk in them. Then you will have peace for your soul. But they said, we will not walk in them. And their nation was destroyed. Stand in the ways and ask for the old paths, which is the good way. And walk in them. He immediately goes old school. God of Abraham. God of Isaac. And God of Israel. Not Baal. Not the latest thing. Not the latest fad. God of glory, the God of Bible, Yahweh, the real Yahweh. Hear my prayer. Let this people know that you are the Lord God and that you've turned their hearts back to you again. The fire of the Lord fell. And the people said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God.
prophets of Baal were religious people. They weren't the commentators on CNN. The men that needed to be confronted were the preachers. The leaders of the church. Is what the prophet is saying. You're, you're the reason that the people are confused. You're the reason they don't know if Baal is God or Yahweh is God. And when we're finished here today, you'll be done. Stopped by here a few weeks ago. I was in here praying. There's just something about this room and prayer. If you're having struggle praying, you come to this room. It's easier to get a breakthrough here than about anywhere I've ever been in my life. And I've been, I've been to Bangor, Northern Ireland. <laughs> they prayed for 24 hours a day for 280 years till the Vikings killed them. I just throwing that out there because charismatic prayer warriors think if, if we're praying, nothing bad will happen. Well, yeah, until it does. <laughs> the Vikings came, 280 years of prayer, and the Vikings came and killed them all. <laughs> I've been there, but there's a, there's a thin place here. This is a wonderful place to pray and seek God. And uh, I was in there praying, the Lord s spoke to me, and he said, when you come out of this season, and meaning, meaning our nation, meaning the church in our nation, a different kind of leader is going to be required. Some will no longer be around. I'm not saying God's going to kill them. They'll just go sell cars. Nothing wrong with selling cars. I'm just saying that's what most preachers do when they get tired of preaching. <laughs> sell cars. I don't know why that is. I can't sell a cupcake to somebody that's been fasting 40 days. I'm always going to have to work for a living. But beloved, the Lord's going to change this thing up. And I came here today to speak into the atmosphere. Because sometimes that's what you do when you preach. Now, don't, don't take it off yourself. There's many things that were said today that are applicable to you. You need to receive it and walk in it. I'm also announcing something in the atmosphere in the prophetic to confront the spirit of Baal and the prophets of Baal, the religious leaders that are confused, and therefore the people are confused. We need justice in this nation. We need 
to deal with our racial issues. But this thing that's going on in the street isn't that. It is the nations raging against the Lord God. And you can't come into agreement with it and walk with God. You're listening to the prophets of Baal. So I want to ask concerning these that you want to listen to, where's their fire? Where's their changed lives? Where they preached and the Spirit of God fell on somebody. And they were never the same. I can show you some. Some in this room. Where are theirs? Now that's arrogant for you to say. Paul said the same thing. When I come, I'll, I, want, I don't want to hear the words. I want to, hear your, I want to see your power. If there's no power on it, listen, he said the gospel that we preach is not in word, but in power. If there's no power on it, it's not the gospel, even if the words are right. Are you hearing? He said the kingdom is not in word, but in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. If there's no power on it, it's not the gospel, even if the words are right, even if the doctrine's true. And yes, the doctrine needs to be true, but if there's no power on it, it's not the gospel. I, I don't want to be ugly, but most of you know I'm in seminary right now. I'm going to take a, about a two-month break. My wife and I decided this morning, and it was funny, the reason I gave, I said, I just need some prayer time. I need to take a break from seminary and just, how was it I put it? And get reacquainted with God, I think I said. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> you take a break from that and just go deep in God for a couple of months. But I said this to, I think, Jamie a while back. I said, some of the most brilliant minds that I've ever been around in the last year in seminary, but some of them I hear what they're saying, but I also look and I go, but there's no real fire on your words. Your, your intellect is incredible. Your doctrine is impeccable. Your insights are mind-blowing, but there's no fire on it. I, there's nothing about what you're saying that makes me want to go listen to you preach. How long will you halt between two opinions? I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. Yes, you know what's going on. The nations are raging, trying to throw off the yoke of the Lord and break, break the bonds off of them. You know exactly what's going on. You just don't want to admit it. You don't want to deal with it. You know exactly what's going on. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to seek God? Or are you going to walk in confusion? Every young preacher I know right now seems to be confused. The 
They don't know where they stand on any of these issues. Like I said to somebody yesterday, you need the Spirit of God to rush upon you. I'll, I'll, I'll end with this. I guess give me some ending music. Would be so proud I got done before noon. It's like the third time in my whole life, really. Um, A week ago, yesterday, I was at my house alone and I had all kinds of homework to do and the most responsible thing would have been to do it, but it was one of those days where you just wanted to pray. And, you know, you have those days. There's days when you pray because it's the thing you need to do, and then there's, there's days, and we've all had them, where you're annoyed at anything else that wants to break into that time because that's all you want to do. And um, I hadn't had those in a while, and I was having one, so I finally decided not to fight it, and I was just going to spend my time in prayer, and and I had been praying for several weeks because my Old Testament professor, this, this great Baptist guy, had said back in the last term, when, when the Bible says the Holy Spirit came on Gideon, said the Spirit rushed upon him. It, the Hebrew literally says the Spirit rushed upon him. So I've been praying for like weeks, God, let your Holy Spirit rush upon me. I want you to rush upon me. And so I was praying and the Holy Spirit rushed upon me last Saturday afternoon. Just rushed upon me. It was like days of old. And uh, it was powerful. And while he was on me, I could have run through troops and leaped over walls. I suddenly had all this vision and plan came into my heart for Cassville and what God could do there. And, and I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Call everybody, let's start today. And then... Like an hour later, he lifted. But as he lifted, he said, I'm lifting. But I came on you. This is an invitation for you to come after me. I came on you to remind you who you are and to remind you what it was like when I rested on you like this for years. And so you were here in those days. And he said, I, I'm reminding you now, come after me. So then he lifted, and then it was more normal-like. Oh, man, is it time to go to Cassville? And, uh, but then yesterday I was all alone again, and the Holy Spirit rushed on me again and, and didn't lift. And, um, beloved, you need the Holy Spirit to rush upon you. And so this morning, since he was still on me, I was praying early, and I said, Lord, um, what I want is you. I was listening to Corey preach last night, and he said, is you, have, you have the king of the universe. You have his attention. And he, 
he's, he's coming for you. And, he, and then he asked him a question and said, is that enough for you? Or do you need to have a platform or a ministry or, you know, all of this other stuff? The king of the universe is coming for you. Is that enough for you? And I, this morning, I said, Lord, it's enough for me. It really, I mean, I cannot handle Christianity without the manifest presence of God. I cannot handle this without feeling God. Am I right? I mean, we'll serve God whether we ever feel him again or not. If I never feel him again, I'll serve him. But I can't handle it. I need you to be on me. And I told the Lord this morning, I don't need anything but you. I just, I'm, I'm good with that. But, 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 Lord, I want to say this. I want to be back in the war. And I want to say that to you older people that are dialing down a little bit. You need to, you need to say, Lord, I want to be back in the war. I want to be back in the war, Lord. And then he said, oh, really? Okay, well, then preach this today. <laughs> I was going to preach this really nice sermon on Psalm 1 that I did for my hermeneutics class. <laughs> we'll be back in the war. What about you? Because they rage... Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. What about you? You want to be back in the war? And turn to God and say, Lord, here am I. Use me. Come upon me. Rush upon me. I know we can't really come to the front and pray in these days. And, and don't say, yes, we can. I'm not going to do something like that with pastor not here. When I, when I know the limitations that we've been placed under. But if you're sitting at your seat, then it's not any worse than for you to kneel at your seat if you want to, if you want to pray. If, if you were thinking, man, I'd love to come to the altar. Well, you got an altar right there at your seat. You can turn and begin to seek God and ask God to come upon you. Put you on the right side of history. They, they use that term. You need to be on the right side of history. Listen, the right side of history is God's side. He is the king of the whole universe. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. He is the Lord. Let's pray. Find a, find a place to pray, please. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.